morning or good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Dr. Thone. I'm one of the faculty at the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program in Bakersfield, California. Yeah, today we want to give you a little introduction before we dig into shingles vaccine before 50. We want to give you some exciting news today. So we are going to talk about magic mushrooms as a potential treatment for alcohol addiction. Addiction is one of the biggest challenges in medicine. Patients with addictions are at risk of adverse events or even death from overdose, but also are at risk of withdrawal when trying to quit. As medical providers, our goal is to assist our patients to stop using substances that may be toxic and cause detrimental effects on their health in the short and long term. It is not easy to help patients overcome the discomfort, cravings, and even life-threatening symptoms that result from withdrawal. And out of the many addictions that a patient can have, alcohol use disorder is by far one of the most destructive addictions. And the harms from it go beyond the personal effect as it affects families, communities, and the whole nation. It is a serious public health issue. It is estimated that 15 million people, 12 and older, in the U.S. have alcohol use disorder, and about 140,000 people die every year from alcohol-related causes. Many patients would like to stop drinking, but the withdrawal symptoms may be more than just discomfort and may become unbearable and even fatal. Today, we want to share the news published on August 24, 2022 in JAMA and many news outlets regarding the potential use of psilocybin as an adjunct therapy to quit drinking alcohol. Well, this was a double-blind, randomized clinical trial that compared psilocybin with diphenhydramine. Psilocybin, by the way, is also known as the magic mushroom, and participants were offered 12 weeks of psychotherapy and were randomly assigned to receive psilocybin versus diphenhydramine during two-day-long medication sessions at weeks four and eight. There were 93 participants. The percentage of heavy drinking days during a 32-week period after the first dose of medication was 9.7% for the psilocybin group and 23.6% for the diphenhydramine group. So patients in the psilocybin group had decreased heavy drinking and the mean alcohol consumption was also lower. Blinding was an issue during the study because many participants could guess which medication they were receiving. Some participants described, quote, flying over landscapes, seeing their late father and merging telepathically with historical figures. I think that's really funny. Sorry, but uh, I can imagine these patients in the study experiencing those, um, those symptoms as part of their treatment. So it's like having fun at the same time they are treated. The bottom line of this study is that administration of psilocybin in combination with psychotherapy produced a significant reduction in the percentage of heavy drinking days over and above those produced by active placebo and psychotherapy. These are very exciting news for those who are trying to quit alcohol and it provides a foundation for additional research on psilocybin assistant treatment for AUD. So thank you so much, Dr. Thon. It has been great to share time with you. So Dr. Thon is moving on to a different place. 
and uh, to different positions, but it's been great to share time with you. Yes, well, thank you very much. I've loved um, being at the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program and working with all of you. I've learned a lot here, and um, I wish you much luck in continuing the podcast, and I hear that you're moving on to have a Spanish a podcast in Spanish soon, so that's wonderful news, and it's moving national. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Fun, and good luck and success with your new stage of life. Thank you very much. You are listening to Rio Bravo Q Week Podcast, your weekly dose of knowledge brought to you by Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program from Bakersfield, California, a UCLA-affiliated program sponsored by Clinica Sierra Vista. Let us be your healthcare home. This podcast was created for educational purposes only. Visit your primary care provider for additional medical advice. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome again to another episode of Rio Bravo Kiwit Podcast. Uh, my name is Hector Ariaza, and I'm here with a wonderful medical student because we're going to be talking about a vaccine. As you may realize by now, we have talked about many vaccines in this podcast because we really are pro-vaccine because it's a, an effective tool for prevention and we are all in prevention. You know, that's all we want to do in our patients. So we want to make sure that we prevent as many diseases as we can. So today I have Prabjot here. We're going to be talking about Shingrix. So Prabjot, can you introduce yourself, please? Of course. My name is Prabjot Kaur and I'm an MS4. I'm from Los University School of Medicine. Hey, thank you for being here. And Prabjot, she's going to be graduating soon. So we're very excited to add one more doctor to, to our list. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Ariaza. Yeah, one more doctor to our army. So, uh, let's talk about Shingrix then. Shingrix is a vaccine that is one of my favorite vaccines to recommend for patients because I feel like we're preventing something that can be very distressful for them, which is herpes zoster. So what is Shingrix exactly? So Shingrix is a recombinant zoster vaccine, which means it's not live. It's used to protect against herpes zosters, which is called shingles in adults over 50 years old. Okay, so it prevents herpes zoster, which can be very painful and very distressful for the patients. Okay, so herpes zoster, well, let's, let's talk about it a little bit. Okay, herpes zoster is a viral infection that's caused by the varicella zoster virus, which also causes chickenpox. Chickenpox, called varicella, can also happen in, it happens in children and in adults. After a person is infected with chickenpox, the virus remains dormant in the dorsal root ganglia, which are the clusters of neurons along the spinal column. As a person grows older, or his immunity decreases due to conditions such as infection, malignancy, pregnancy, the dormant virus becomes reactivated. So have you had uh, chickenpox yourself? Perhaps? No, I haven't. Oh, I you're haven't. very lucky. Yes. Oh, you're very lucky or you're very young. That's <laughs> one of the two. But uh, I had chickenpox when I was a kid, so I'm going to have uh, my shingles when I'm 50. I'm not there yet, though. Okay. I still have many years before 50, but uh, I'll get it. 
when the time comes. So what happens then when the virus reactivates? Tell us more about it. So when the virus reactivates in adults, it presents with a painful, blistering, itchy rash over the over specific uh, body parts, body uh, areas in your body. So the rash occurs mostly on the torso, face, upper extremities, and is usually only on one side. It doesn't cross the midline. You can say they were dermatomes. You know, this is for medical students. So. <laughs> And for, and for residents. Okay. I thought the general population would be listening to. <laughs> okay. Well, a common belief, uh, I want to talk about a common belief in the Latino culture because I'm a Latino and I know that many uh, of our listeners, they treat Latino descent patients. So many people believe that if the rash crosses the midline of your body and it makes a circle around your chest, it means that you will die. So it's like a, a sentence of death. If you're a doctor and you're listening to this, if you're a nurse practitioner or a medical student, and you have that question asked by a patient, so I have to give you the answer now, and actually have to research it because I mean it's <laughs> something that I don't I haven't seen bilateral shingrix. Maybe one case it was not my patient. I saw a, a homeless person with uh, generalized sh uh, shingles. But uh, so uh, if a patient asks you this question, so the answer is the herpes zoster normally affects the root ganglia on one side of the body. That's what normal normal is. But if the patient has bilateral herpes zoster, that means that it's a very severe case. The patient mm, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to die, but you must rule out an immunodeficiency. Okay. Yeah, so the rash that we talked about, the rash may be preceded or followed by pain, burning, numbing, or tingling of the skin. Some patients might even have fevers, chills, fatigue, or photosensitivity. One of the most common complications of shingles is post-herpetic neuralgia, which is a long-lasting pain even after the blisters and rashes have resolved. Yeah, so it's a very painful rash. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the role of the vaccine. How can we use this vaccine for prevention? What's, what's the real theory about it? So the vaccine, Shingrix, it can reduce the risk of shingles and its complications, such as the post-herpetic neuralgia that we talked about. Shingrix is recommended for everyone over 50, even if they've already had shingles, received Zostavax, or received the varicella vaccine. To be noted that Zostavax vaccine has been discontinued in 2019. Yeah, and it was a vaccine that was a live attenuated virus. So it had a lot of contraindications, but um, now we have the Shingrix option. And um, by the way, we're talking about Shingrix, and I forgot to say that we're not receiving money from Shingrix, uh, just in case you are wondering. So, but that's a good point, you know, let's talk about a little bit about the varicella in adults, because we have this question frequently in our clinics. If I receive the varicella vaccine as a child, can I get the Shingrix vaccine? And the answer is yes. Let's remember that chickenpox vaccine, which is the varicella vaccine, became available in the U.S. in 1995. So if you were born in 1995 or after, you probably have the, had the, the varicella vaccine or the chickenpox vaccine, but you can still get your shingrix when you are 50 if you are immunocompetent. But um, let's say you want to get the, the varicella vaccine as an adult or you want to get the shingrix vaccine. You don't need to get tested for varicella. You don't have to have a serology test. To, to prove that you have the varicella and that you are protected against varicella. But uh, in certain patients who are planning immunosuppression in the near future, you might need a varicella serology. So in such cases, if the varicella immunity is not reactive, 
they should be vaccinated against varicella. If you're planning to get chemotherapy, for example, or you're, gonna, you're planning to get uh, immunosuppressed by, stero- by steroids, so you should get the, the, the serology. Uh, and if you're not, not, not immune, then you can get the varicella vaccine at that time. But what if um, the patient is already immunosuppressed, Dr. Ariaza? Well, if the patient is already immunosuppressed, the decision is not simple. You can take the risk and give the live attenuated vaccine, you know, hoping that the patient doesn't get sick. But um, the varicella vaccine is generally contraindicated. Some clinicians may recommend Shingrix in those cases because there is a potential protection against primary varicella too. So post-exposure prophylaxis is also an option. You know, you have a, a patient who got exposed and is immunosuppressed. You can give um, antiviral therapy or immunoglobulin. So let's talk about Shingrix again. We deviated a little bit to talk about varicella. Let's talk about Shingrix. How is Shingrix given? Shingrix given. So Shingrix is given in two doses, and each dose is given two to six months apart. Its immunity stays strong for at least seven years. Like most vaccines, the most common side effects of the Shingrix vaccine are redness, tenderness, swelling, discomfort at the vaccine site. Shingrix is deemed to be safe for most people over 50, but not given to pregnant women, people with active shingles, or with severe allergy to vaccine. And Shingrix is also generally avoided in patients with a non-history of Guillain-Barré syndrome, or GBS, due to a probably, probable association between Shingrix and GBS. This association was not seen with Sostavax. Uh, that's the live attenuated vaccine that we talked about against um, shingles. So in case of GBS, or history of GBS, Sostavax is an option. You might need to go and buy mm-hmm. it somewhere, somewhere else because it's not available in the U.S. Okay. So let's talk about the effectiveness. So- Shingrix. How effective is it? So as far as effectiveness, according to the CDC, Shingrix is 97% effective in preventing shingles in adults 50 to 69 and 91% in adults older than 70. If one is immunosuppressed and has a weakened immune system, the vaccine was effective ranging between 69 to 91% in preventing shingles. Okay, so we are talking here in this podcast because we want to give an update. The whole reason why we're recording this is to give you this piece of information, guys. So listen to Prabjot right now because it's going to give us new updates about Shingrix. So in 2021, uh, new updates have been made to expand the vaccination of the population under 50 as well. So on July 23, 2021, the FDA approved the vaccination for adults over the age of 18 who are at an increased risk or will be in the future due to immunodeficiency or immunosuppression. The immunodeficiency could be secondary to disease, a malignancy, or a therapy such as chemotherapy. Just like the prior recommendation, it's recommended for these individuals to receive two doses of Shingrix for the prevention of shingles and its complications. However, the interval between the two doses can be shortened from the recommended two to six months to one to two months if the person will be going through intense immunosuppression in the upcoming months. The shortened interval will prevent vaccination during an intense immunosuppressed state. The second dose must not be given um, before one month is over. Okay, at least one month apart. Okay, so I'm actually surprised that that's something new. You know, I don't know why it was not approved before. I I mean, I don't treat patients with cancer to start chemotherapy myself, but I I was assuming that everybody got vaccinated against Syngrix, but now it's, it's official, so. Yeah, it's a great addition. Yeah, great. When to get vaccinated? That's a good question that we might be asked by our patients. 
Of course. So ideally, one should get vaccinated before starting their immunosuppressing therapy. If this cannot be possible, then one should aim for vaccination when their immune response is likely to be the strongest. For example, if it's an immunity-changing disease such as malignancy, the vaccine should be ideal in the beginning stages. And if a person will receive chemotherapy, it'll be ideal to vaccinate before starting the chemo. Great. So let's talk about certain population from the CDC. And this is coming from the CDC website. So let's start um, with some special populations. So for populations that are receiving a hematopoietic cell transplant, so stem cells, you should administer the uh, Shingris vaccine at least 3 to 12 months after the transplant has been performed. It's important to consider that the vaccine is recommended two months before the prophylactic antiviral therapy is discontinued. Since the prophylactic antiviral therapy is protecting against shingles, the vaccine is preferred to be injected while the antiviral therapy is going on, so you get both benefits. Yeah, and when the the transplant is from another donor, that's what we call an allogenic uh, transplant or HCT, uh, the shingles should be given a little bit later, like between 6 to 12 months after the transplant. And uh, of course, prior to the continuation of the antiviral therapy, uh, as you said, Prabjot, acyclovir, famcyclovir, and valacyclovir will not neutralize the effectiveness of, of the Syngrix vaccine because the vaccine is not a live virus vaccine. It's a recombinant. So you can give it safely while receiving anti, um, antiviral therapy. Yep. And for people uh, with cancer, it's ideal to administer Shingrix before chemo, immunosuppressive medications, radiation, or splenectomy. If that's not possible for some reason, administer the vaccine when the patient is stable and not acutely suppressed. For patients on long-term immunosuppressive therapies, administer the vaccine when the immune response is most likely the strongest or right before the starting of the next cycle of the therapy. And now a special population, the patients with HIV, what so, do you read about it? So for HIV, um, of course, shingles is still recommended for those people due to the high risk of shingles. Immune response to the vaccine may be improved while the patient is going on um, antiretroviral therapy. Nice. So now we can vaccinate all the people with HIV, even if they are not 50 years old. Yeah. So that's great. Uh, thank you so much, Prabjot, for this information. So guys, now you know that you can vaccinate your patients when they are younger than 50. You don't have to wait all the time. If they are immunosuppressed or they are planning to have immunosuppression, they can get the Shingrix vaccine. Mm -hmm. So let's wrap it up, um, Prabjot, and tell us um, the conclusion of this episode. So Shingrix is now recommended not only for those over 50 years old, but also for those who are 18 and older and are immunosuppressed or will be immunosuppressed later on. This new change will benefit those who are receiving treatment and those who are awaiting treatment. Keep in mind to use the vaccine to prevent shingles and its complications. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brad Job. Thank you so much, Dr. Ariaza. Thank you guys for listening to our episode and hope it was helpful for you. Thank you. Now we conclude our episode number 109, Shingles Vaccine Before 50. We are used to giving Shingrix to patients older than 50, but we were reminded today that it is also indicated in patients older than 18 who are or will be immune suppressed. Shingrits should be given in two doses, two to six months apart. Your patients may not notice it, but by giving this vaccine, you are preventing a painful rash that can have long-term effects. This week, we thank Jennifer Thone, Hector Ariasa, Propjot Carr, and Ariana Lundquist. Audio edition by Adrienne Silva.
Even without trying, every night you go to bed a little wiser. Thanks for listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us an email at riobravoqweek at clinicasierravista.org or visit our website, riobravofmrp.org slash qweek. See you next week.